Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandy BK Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score. Welcome to Vanderbilt Week. Welcome to the SEC Conference Schedule Time Week. We are in it now. Through your non-con, you're 4-0. You're looking at your first road trip against your first SEC foe. I'm not scared. BK, are you scared? Uh, I don't believe you, first of all. Uh, no, second you of all, um, this is the game that gets people fired, and I don't think anybody's getting fired this time around, so I'm going to say no, I'm not scared. I'm not scared at all. No scared, no worries, no worries, no worries, no worries, no whammy. We're good. No whammies. That's right. Okay, good, good. It was back I, quarterback, so... Well... That's never harmed us in any way. Yeah, when has that ever great. come to bite Mizzou in the ass? At BC, Auburn, Purdue, well, of course, South Carolina. That's kind of your, your originator of Mizzou versus a backup quarterback, so yeah. Here's the thing, though. I will say this. His backup was a starter for a long time. So we should not be considering, you know, A.J. Swan being gone as like a true backup situation. But still, we are Mizzou, so we are going to lean that direction anyway. Anyway, let's talk about some good things before we dive into Vanderbilt. Because last I checked, Memphis was a victory. The zoo went to the loo and got a win against Memphis. And I did the deep dive on Beyond the Box score. And boy, that was an offensive explosion, BK. And I use that term very specifically. I don't know if you knew this. So, you know, I hope you read the piece. But Missouri had 9.3 yards per play. Pretty good. 9.3. Now, I will say part of that is helped by running 
59 plays as opposed to Memphis 75. That, yes, that plays a part of it. But this is the highest yardage per play since LSU of 20, which, again, we don't count the 2020 season. So this is kind of the highest yards per play ever for Eli Drinkwitz offense. They went for 547 yards. Like I said, 9.3 yards per play. Their yards per attempt, uh, pass attempt, 12.4. Yards per completion, 19.1. I said it in Beyond the Box score, and I'll say it again here. Brady Cook's adjusted net yards per average, which takes into account touchdowns, interceptions, sack, yards last for, for sack, plus your completions and your attempts, is higher than the last four quarterbacks drafted in the NFL draft number one overall. Now, yeah, individual game, okay? Higher than any of their individual games. Now, on the season, they were way higher than he is currently. What? But Jalen Hurts had a nine when he was drafted last year, and Brady Cook is currently sitting at a 10.2. So his production and his lack of taking negative plays, we are in territory where people would generally consider you a first-round draft pick. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but BK, that's just me being fancy saying he's good. I like legitimately good. And that's something that's really fun because there was a time, oh, I don't know, three weeks ago, um, where people didn't just believe that he wasn't good. They wanted him to be replaced as the starting quarterback for Missouri. And over the last two weeks against two legit like threats to Missouri. And I know people didn't take Memphis seriously because their name is Memphis and they're a group of five team and they're not a power five team. Memphis is better than many of the teams that a power five team would play in conference like memphis is a better team than vanderbilt for example um they're a better team than many of the squads that are in the big 12 or the acc and missouri took care of them pretty handily with their offense at least so um that was a super impressive game super impressive performance by brady cook and the fact that he did it basically on one leg makes it all the more impressive considering the guy that has been known for his legs previously is now winning games with his arm yeah. And that wasn't supposed to be possible this year. Not supposed to, and yet here we are. Yep. I also know that Sam got some flack for this. I got some feedback from it. I'm, I don't know if you had to, but we were, all the thought process was that game was never in doubt. You know, really, once that last field goal went through, yeah, you know, maybe some of the, the, the machinations as you went on were not what you wanted. But in the end, you know, it was never in doubt. And I saw on, on Twitter a couple people saying, you know, post-game win expectancy, which is it looks at if you have these sorts of stats in a game, how often do you win? Basically, a 10% would be like one out of 10, one out of 10 times you win, you would have lost the other nine, you got really lucky. Or a 90% win expectancy would be, yeah, you would win nine times out of 10. Guys, with the offensive stats, not only the raw yardage, but the success rates, and how they held Memphis below their averages, too, both in raw yardage and success rates. Missouri had a 100% post-game expectancy rate. I was blown away. I figured it'd be in the 90s. It was 100%. It was never in doubt. Math backs us up. Yeah, it was a really impressive performance that was made to look a lot worse by the fact that there was a turnover and there was a whole lot of third-down weirdness that took place in the game other than that though like missouri handled that game they 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 took a group of five opponent that is slightly worse than missouri not a significantly worse team but a slightly worse team and for the most part made them look silly especially when missouri's offense was on the field and i don't think it should go overlooked 
Missouri, for most of that game, was playing without their top two corners, or two of their top three corners, I should say. The And they were playing without arguably their best defensive linemen. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you could say their second best defensive linemen, depending on how you feel about Darius Robinson versus uh, Johnny Walker Jr. But that's pretty damn impressive, man. Oh, and by the way, they missed like, half of a quarter of Luther Burton as well as he was (laughs) going to the sideline. And again, Brady cook was hurt. So Mm -hmm. you did all of that on a terrible field against a good opponent with a bunch of your team looking pretty darn beat up. Oh, and one of your starting offensive linemen was out as well. So yeah, by the way, also that pretty good, pretty good, pretty dang good. And you know, Missouri did well. I know Oh, for seven on, on third downs, they'll, the Oh, for eight was the last play of the game. So I'm not counting that, but Oh, for seven on third downs. I know that doesn't look good. Um, I'm not, I'm not explaining this away because guess what? This sort of thing is going to happen. But every, every single time that they had to punt, it was because they had a negative play that put him in first and 15 or second and 12 and longer. They had a holding penalty on one of the drives. They had a sack on another drive. Uh, one of them, when they didn't go for it, they went for it on fourth and should have gotten it, but didn't. So like, it's not good that if you get knocked behind the chains, you can't recover, but it's also one game. Also, Missouri on first down, averaged, averaged 9.7 yards gained on first down. But their average distance on third down, and I think I talked about this on the show last time, yep. is 10.1. So they either got it in the beginning or they did not because they got knocked off either by you know some negative play or, or a penalty. So, hey, clean up the negative plays and the penalties and you'll be just fine, gentlemen. It's It's okay. Right now, um, looking up a couple of things on Brady Cook, by the way. Um, if you're just looking at why is this happening? How is Brady Cook having this kind of resurgence as a quarterback for Missouri? Among 12 SEC quarterbacks that have taken at least 100 dropbacks this year, Nate. So 12 of the 14 starters. This is the guys that are like every game starters, basically. It's first in yards per attempt. Pretty good. Fourth in big time throw percentage, which is a stat the pro football focus tracks, which is basically like, hot damn, that was really impressive, right? Okay. Um, a little subjective, but I like it. Correct. Yeah. Very, very subjective, but I like it. And it tells the story of him like, hey, you're making big time throws now. That's good. Yeah. Also, fastest time to throw in the SEC. Ooh. In terms of the time, 2.2? 2.29. It is Ooh. going up okay. slightly, but still Let's the fastest in the SEC. And despite that time to throw, he is now starting to attempt deep passes, as we have seen over the last couple of weeks. There are only four quarterbacks in the SEC that have completed more deep balls on the year than Brady Cook. It is A.J. Swan, Jaden Daniels, K.J. Jefferson, and surprisingly enough, uh, Jalen Milrow, who only completes deep passes. Yeah, so that's kind of the problem Alabama has right now. They have no medium game. the guys that are similar, by the way, in a similar vein to Brady Cook when it comes to their deep passing this year, um, Spencer Rattler, and then I always mispronounce his last name, Connor Wiegman, 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 Wiegman. Wiegman. Um, those are the two guys. They're almost exactly the same as what Brady Cook has been so far this year in terms of their deep passing attempts, completions, yards, yeah. all that stuff. So, be really interesting to see if Max Johnson, uh, Connor Wiegman is going to miss the rest of the season yeah. with a foot injury. So we'll see if Max Johnson can keep that up. That's interesting. Um, yeah. However you want to slice it, Brady Cook is is playing at a very high level right now. And, Borderline all SEC. And I know that we're not into the SEC games yet. He's got to prove it during, even against the Vanderbilt, but certainly against the Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, all that stuff. But 
right now, four weeks in, yeah, we're feeling pretty good, and he's doing well. So I know Memphis wasn't the dominating win that we all wanted. They'll still win. If you want a dominating win, this is the week where you really need to do it. Arguably the last week where you can realistically do it. Uh, Missouri heads to Vanderbilt. Heads to, actually, they ended up naming the thing. It used to be Commodore Stadium for so long. Oh, I thought you were talking about this game. I was like, hold on. This has a sponsor? Missouri versus Vanderbilt is sponsored now? The stadium. (laughs) How ridiculous would that be? My God. That is, you have too much money problems. Is this a trophy game? Did they put a trophy on this thing? (laughs) Big Ten creates trophy games out of everything. Why not the SEC? I do. Yeah, we should do that. We'll call it the, uh, I don't know. I'll come up with something else. That Bodie McBoatface trophy, whatever. Anyway, it's called First Bank Stadium now. So congratulations to First Bank. Um, Vanderbilt is bad and not like SEC bad where you rank like 50th. We're talking like 81st, 81st overall. Their offense is okay, 60th. But Davis is 110th, 110th. And when I was looking at the advanced stats and going, okay, so how, do, how does Missouri how does Missouri attack these guys? It was actually easier to just say, okay, what do we need to stay away from? Um, Vanderbilt's pretty good at stopping you from getting a touchdown once you cross the 20-yard line. And they're pretty good at stuff in the run. You know, the 25% of the time. Those are, those are what you would call strengths. It's, it's a reach, but... What you would call. Yes, that's what you would call a strength based off of everything else. Anything else you want to do, you are, you are more than welcome to do. Uh, they don't hit home on blitzes. They don't really defend the pass super well. Uh, they are a bit of a sieve when it comes to standard downs. They'll they'll let you get out as many yards as you want, and then when they start choking up, then you start hitting them over the top. So it is, if you want to pass, this is a great time to do it. If you want to work on outside zone, this is a great time to do it. Um, just make sure you're scoring outside of the 20, and beware that some of those outside zones might get blown up. But other than that, Vanderbilt's defense is kind of the cure for the common cold on the offense. And last I checked, Missouri's offense is, is pretty healthy right now. That is all well and good. And it is why people like you have reservations about this game. Oh. Because it is the trappiest of all trap games that have ever been trapped. Because two weeks ago, you had this highly emotional game against Kansas State. Go out there. We all know the story. You find a way to win. You right the wrong of last year when you got absolutely shellacked against K-State. Then you go to St. Louis, where many of the most important players on your team have an emotional homecoming, right? They have the opportunity to go play in front of both friends and family. And for all of the frustrations that some, including, by the way, Eli Drinkwitz, have voiced about the playing surface uh, Mm -hmm. at the dome Mm -hmm. um there were a lot of guys that really thought that was a pretty cool experience and they rolled out the red carpet for him that's good uh brady cook showed out luther burden showed out cody schrader showed out all of those guys from st louis there's some emotional ties there now you're going on the road to an environment that is not going to be an exciting place to play and you're doing so the week prior to coming home for what will almost inarguably be the biggest home game in a decade that is where this can become a, the type of game where everything that you just said about this being like the cure for your offense and all the dude, you struggle for the first 25 minutes of the game offensively. And people are going to be on the sidelines pointing at each other saying, whoa, this isn't what it, what any of us expected, right? It's kind of like an NCAA tournament game where you're going up against the 
plucky underdog in the first round mm -hmm. and they, they know they shouldn't be there you know they shouldn't be there and you think we can roll the ball onto the court and we're just gonna win by 20 mizzou norfolk state just to bring up an example um and then you get into like the second half and they're still around and you're wondering what the hell's going on and the other team's like hey we're in this thing like we could win this Mm -hmm. And that is the sad story that gets told far too often in these yeah. types of games, but specifically for Missouri against Vanderbilt. Uh, first Dude. road trip. First road trip. And I would say most was technically a road trip, but everybody was rooting for you there. Like there was like a thousand Memphis people and, you know, good for them. I'm glad they made the trip. I hope they had a good time, but um yeah first bank let me just rattle off the attendance right now for all of vanderbilt's home games so far Twenty-one thousand. uh the season opening against hawaii uh twenty-two thousand against alabama a&m they then went to wake went to unlb uh kentucky last week got you know big sec opener <clears throat> Twenty-six thousand two hundred seventy-nine. so there's not going to be a lot of people there the energy is going to be low. And if the energy's up, it's because they hate you and they want you to lose. We know Eli Drinkwitz has struggled on the road. That's kind of something that he uh, that he does. Now, I understand that, guess what? All college football teams have a tougher time on the road than they do at home. This is not new. I get that. But we are in year four of the Drinkwitz regime, and he is 3-11 on the road. So those wins... Those wins on the road uh, were at South Carolina, and they were. That was a good at, one. That was a good one. They were at Vanderbilt back in twenty one, and then they also won at South Carolina last year. So unless you are in Columbia, Eli Drinkwitz feels very good in Columbia, and he feels very badly everybody else, uh, everywhere else. And you just gotta hope that this is it. Uh, now I went back to twenty nineteen. I went back to the nightmare of BK. It's like, what the heck happened? What the heck happened? How did we lose? By the way, that, that game that they won at Vandy and was that 21? Uh, that wasn't a super convincing victory. No, they had a huge rally that they had to stop. If I remember correctly, they got up and then what's his face? The running back was just unstoppable out, out of nowhere. Um, 2019. Hmm. Third downs. Imagine that. They were three for 18 on first downs against Vandy in 2019. Now, Vanderbilt wasn't all that great either. They were playing a backup quarterback. <laughs> God darn it. But Missouri also had a 28% success rate through the air. They had a 48% success rate on the ground and got away from the ground game because Kelly Bryant was injured. Mm. Um, could not hit anybody. Could not move the ball on the ground. Became one-dimensional and lost. So... I say third downs are a problem one week after going 0 for 7 and two weeks after going 3 for, what, 15, whatever it was. Uh-oh. Uh Please clean that up. Please. Please get 40%. Get 40% on your third downs and I'd be happy. Yeah, just make it a respectable effort on third down. And then defensively, if you could, like, do that as well, that'd be super cool. Um that's been the biggest issue so far in these two games where they've played against legitimate competition is 
staying on the field on third down offensively, getting off the field on third down defensively. If they can start getting that closer, and I, I think it will. Like, I think this is just kind of one of those weird things where, like, super small sample, down and distance can be fungible. And specifically, we went through it last week with the Memphis game. It's a lot of, like, long downs or long distances on third down. is like third and eight, third and eight, third and nine, third and 11, third and 11, third and 12, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Get yourself into more manageable third down situations. And the best way to do that is just to avoid the penalties. If you can avoid early down penalties, if you can avoid the the TFLs or the sacks, just the negative plays, you're going to be fine. And against a team like Vandy with the defense that is really not good, and that's maybe the most surprising piece of, of this pie, their, their offense has been okay for the most part this year. It's the defense that's really killing them. Um you should be able to avoid those negative plays. So it really does come down to just avoiding the negative penalties on first and second down. If they can do that, they'll be fine. That's really first down. Yeah. I mean, you go back through this, you know, a loss of three on a run, uh, sack, uh, incomplete pass, loss of one. Like, I'm just going through all the drives yeah. where they had to punt. And, like, it's simple stuff. Don't fall behind. And when your passing game is so heavily predicated on big plays – you know, not only just like generate it with yak, but also go deep. You know, what happens if you don't connect deep? Now that luckily it hasn't been a huge problem, but if you don't, then you fall behind and you lose it down. And now it's third and 13 out of nowhere. Um, Here's the other thing, because you mentioned the defense, Mizzou's defense. Vanderbilt doesn't really run the ball all that much, or they don't like to do it. They have some of the lowest run rates in the country right now through, remember five games. They've, they've yep. played five because they played Hawaii in week zero. Still, one of the lowest run rates uh, on first on standard downs and on passing downs. What they do or what they have done with AJ Swan is just throw it short and then hope that one of those you know breaks through. They also have this guy named London Humphrey, who is if you know Lad McConkey out of Georgia, he's basically just a clone, uh, just kind of a lanky white dude yeah. who runs fast. So they throw it short to like Will Shepard, uh, a couple other guys, and then they'll just occasionally throw it deep to this London Humphrey guy. And if it connects, boom, there you go. So AJ Swan's got like this 52% completion rate, but his yards per attempt is actually pretty decent because he does connect on some of those. Missouri's problem, explosive plays. They've been sending the house way more than you think because they're trying to generate pressure. They're trying to recapture that magic from last year when they had defensive ends and Martez Manuel in the middle, and they just they haven't been able to replicate that. And if you have, I, I don't know, you know, I'm assuming Ennis Rakestraw is going to play. I'm assuming Chris. It sounds like he's expected back this week. Good. I hope they can tackle because Vanderbilt is like, please God, miss a tackle and let us get 20 yards. And if that's how Missouri's going to act, then we are we are in a world of trouble. Yeah, and, and Missouri's secondary, I, I would point more towards the safeties. Um, they sure. they've got to be um, highly invested in tackling, like. Jalen Carlisle, for all of the the pluses that he brings to the table, misses way too many tackles for my liking. Um, he's he's got to be ready to go in a game like this. And then your linebackers, I love Tyron Hopper. He's awesome, great football player. Dude does like this is going to be one of those things where I'm going to point out the one thing he does poorly and like set aside the nine other things that he does really really well because this is what we're specifically talking about. And I want to use that as a disclaimer here. But Hopper misses a lot of tackles, a lot of tackles. And if you have those kinds of situations in a game like this, where you have an opportunity to have one of those TFLs behind the line of scrimmage, or you've got an opportunity to 
take down the running back in the flat for a three-yard gain instead of allowing it to go for seven. Those are the kinds of things that can get you into a little bit of trouble in a game like this. Yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. The thing I'm, I'm relying on, and this is folly, because this is not a real thing, this is not a tangible thing, and these are college kids. The thing I am relying on is that they seem so dead set on this STP something to prove. And if you are good as you think you are, Mizzou, and if you are as good as we think you are as the Mizzou fans, then you should win this game. You should win it by two touchdowns, and we should not have to be popping tums the entire time, and we should just enjoy ourselves. Um, the 2013 squad, that 2013 Missouri squad that was magical, they struggled with their non-con a little bit, right? South Dakota, or uh, Toledo gave us a run for their mm-hmm. money, right? Yep. Uh, the FCS hung around for a quarter and a half, and you're like, what? And then you got to Vanderbilt. First quarter was done. You're like, oh, God. Like, they they came out and meant it. And I, that's I what you that. have to do here. I, I was at a, uh, so I was in college at the time. I was at Mizzou. I, we had a date party that night. I will never forget watching this game. We were in the uh, the living room for one of our friends' places getting ready for that date party. And I was watching the game because we were just waiting to head out. And it got to the end of the first quarter. I was like, I think I'm good here. <laughs> I don't yeah. think we need to watch anymore. I think we're, we can leave whenever. I don't, I don't need to be invested in this any longer. Yeah. Do that again, please. Week, Do something like all that. All week. All of the talk was like James Franklin's Vanderbilt team is, is finally going to end this. This is where it ends. And Mizzou just erased all of that within 15 minutes. And that that is what you have to do. It has to be that way. Um, and Vanderbilt, that Vanderbilt team was very good. They ended up being very good. And James Franklin left for Penn State literally the year later. Mm-hmm. But if you are if you are as good as everybody thinks you are, then you have to make a statement. That goes to your point of style points. This, this is where... This is the game where it actually counts. And by the way, that following week, that there was a trap game potential there for that as well because oh, you were Georgia. 4-0, you had Vandy coming up, you go on the road to Vandy, and then the next week is the Georgia game that we all remember incredibly fondly now because it was the moment where we knew, oh, this, this is going to be real. Like, Missouri is not just a fun, exciting, interesting team. Missouri can win the SEC East. That was the moment when we all determined that. And... If you do this this week, if you are able to do to Vandy now what you did to them 10 years ago, you can have that moment again next week where you have the opportunity to make some magic. Was that an 11 a.m. kickoff against Jordan? It was definitely during the day. I can't remember if it was 11 a.m. or if it was a 2 o'clock. It was kickoff. 11. I, I remember specifically that it was 11 because I was so, drunk, drunk way too early in the morning for that. Much so. like that one. Although that was on the road, this would be at home. You have an opportunity to prove early the next week. We are legitimate contenders in the SEC again. And we have legitimately arrived. Yep. Look, how do you feel going into this one? In all seriousness. Like, set aside for, for a moment, be... 
neutral observer Nate that looks at the the numbers, dives into the spreadsheets. Give me that opinion first. Okay. Well, that opinion tells you that this should be a, a 10 point win. And it'll go back and forth. Um, but Mizzou should win by by two scores. Not not cover the spread, which I don't care about that, but just sure. win. Win convincingly. Where you're not freaking out as the time ticks down. Now fan Nate. When I was a little kid, we would go to the swimming pool in the summer, like every every day in the summer. Mom would take my sister and I, that's what we would do. And the pool that we had had a high dive. Now, when you are seven, it looks like it's 40 feet tall. It was probably like, I don't know, 10 feet. But it was right next to a smaller diving board. And, you know, scared little Nate always did the small one. But like, I wonder what it would be like. I wonder what that's like. I just never had the cojones to do that. And one one day I was like, I am going on the big diving board today. I told my mom, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. And I had to work up the courage, so I was doing my swimming. I was getting up to it. That day, I'm not even kidding, that day, the swimming pool found out that the diving board was too close to the side from regulations. And the reason they found that out was some girl jumped off and broke her finger on the um, the, the, the metal railing that you pull, pull yourself out on, like hit her hand on it. The day that I decided to go off the high dive. And for every every day after that, I was like, I know they fixed it. I know they fixed it. I don't trust it. I'm not. No, absolutely not. And that is my problem as a Missouri fan. Because I know, I know that this diving board has been fixed. I know this isn't what it was when that girl broke her fingers on the railing. I know it's not the same. But it still happened that one time. And so I'm I'm just, I'm nervous. And I think that this is a game that, from the past seven years, Missouri would lose. And that scares the hell out of me. I feel like I should be more nervous than I am. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> because I'm not nervous about this one. Last week, I had the same anxieties that you're having right now. Wow. About Memphis. And it was one of those things where it was like, man, I... People are getting way out over their skis. There's a lot of optimism, a lot of like comfortable win talk about yeah. a, a team in Memphis that I think we are severely underestimating. And I think a lot of that came from the results against Navy, where people probably watched them on that Thursday night, like island game, and were like, oh, barely beat Navy. This team stinks. No good. Clearly not a fun team, not an exciting team. 14 points easy. No problem. Make quick work of them. And I think we forgot that, like, Navy's weird. And nope. throw out the results, and that is one of those pass-fail tests. And for Memphis, they passed. Memphis, pretty good team. They've got a real chance to win their conference this year. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt's not. They're just not a good football team. And they had a explosive quarterback who was kind of like the Matty Mock where, like, it's mm -hmm. either going to work really well and you're going to be super excited about it or things are going to go horribly awry and it's going to be incomplete or intercepted. And that's kind of what he's been so far this year. And now they don't have that. Now they're going to their backup quarterback, and I don't know what he's going to be like. But in his career, he hasn't been very good. So <laughs> I'm not super concerned about it. 
I'm really not. I think that Missouri should win this one by two scores. And I'm not doing the light 10.2 score thing. I think they should win this one by two touchdowns. I think you should win this one like 34-20. And we should go into the fourth quarter knowing Missouri's going to win this football game. Okay. Okay. Uh, To your point, Ken Seals, I know is not good. Ken Seals started as a freshman during the COVID year. At a 64% completion rate, 5.2 adjusted net yards per average. That's bad. He also doesn't run very far. Uh, Like, he'll try it 22, 26 times for like two yards of carry. So, not a threat there. He got benched in 21, uh, partly because he was injured, but also partly because he was throwing for 55% completion percentage. So, uh, he had more interceptions than touchdowns. He's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's the perfect quarterback to upset Missouri, is the point. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just put that badness in the world. I, I hear what you were saying. They cannot run the ball effectively. They're going to a quarterback who stinks. Everything points to comfortable win. Yep. That's my problem. This is a Blake Baker week. Blake Baker is going to get right this week. The, those yeah. blitzes that were problematic last week against Memphis, a veteran team that had a lot of answers offensively, those are going to get home. Yeah, I think Tyron Hopper is going to have himself a game. I think you're going to see some of the defensive line step up in a way that we haven't seen. I, I think this is a Dalen Cornell game. Um, Ooh, I like to see him break out. That'd be I, nice. I, I think that you're going to see the guys that are around the line of scrimmage that play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I think they're going to have a good day today or Saturday. Yeah. I mean, take Kentucky out, which I know is stupid, but Vanderbilt has played Hawaii, Alabama, A&M, Wake Forest, UNLV. The best defense in that group is Wake Forest and ranks 60th. And to those five opponents, including Kentucky, Vanderbilt has given up like a 20% pressure rate against bad defenses. And, and even last week, man, like that final score is fluky compared to what the reality of that game was. Yeah. Kentucky was up 21 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Kentucky's been playing with its food in the first quarter for every game this season. And they went up against Vanderbilt and they were like, no, this game's over. Yeah. 15 minutes in, done. Don't yeah. even have to worry about it the rest of the way. So, yeah, Vandy put up some points. And in the fourth quarter, they put up 15 to make it look respectable. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a respectable loss. They got their butts whipped. And Kentucky is roughly the equivalent of you this year. Yeah. Like they are a mirror image of what Missouri's been, and I think you can make a pretty strong argument that Missouri, especially offensively, is better. So, what's the kickoff time? Three. Yeah, three, three local, three central. Oh, we haven't talked since the LSU game was announced, have we? Game time. <laughs> no. So that you wasn't two minutes on this real quick. Yeah, eleven o'clock kick for what looks like to be like one of three ranked matchups if everything goes correctly. Yeah. Uh, and certainly the only one in the SEC. How do you feel about that? So let's start with this. I think sometimes there's a lost in translation thing in terms of like what these time slots actually are, how they are selected, why they are selected the way that they are. So basically it's almost like a draft, at least in terms of the way that I understand it. The first selection goes to CBS. They get the first pick. They get to determine, hey, 230 slot. This is the national TV game. We want this game. And for that week, it's Alabama, Texas A&M. I have no problem with that. At the time, they didn't know that Texas A&M's quarterback was going to be out for that game. So maybe now they would make a different selection. But I get it. Both massive fan bases, potential top 25 matchup there. No qualms by, by BK over here in that. The second selection goes to ESPN for their 6 o'clock time slot. And they chose Kentucky at Georgia. 
The third selection is ESPN for their 11 a.m. time slot. And that's where I think people get kind of confused sometimes. It's like, it's not SEC Network at 6.30 and then the 11 a.m. time slot. It's 6 o'clock ESPN, then 11 o'clock ESPN, then 6.30 SEC Network. So that 11 a.m. time slot is actually more appealing to the networks than the other late game that is on SEC Network. So Mm -hmm. you are a more appealing matchup, according to the networks, than Arkansas versus Ole Miss. So that's the first thing. Second thing, what do you think is a more appealing matchup? Just if you were a neutral observer, Kentucky, Georgia, or Missouri versus LSU. I mean, Georgia and LSU are both brand names. Yeah, I think they Um, almost cross each other out. And one's in Athens, the other is at um, Mizzou. Yeah. I think it's a push. Then it goes to your opponent, I guess. And, you know, Kentucky is routinely, let's say, in the mix for a division title. And Missouri the past couple years isn't. So, you know, maybe that's that was a deciding factor. I don't know. I think it sucks. I was super disappointed to see this. And as a fan, I wanted it so desperately to be a night game. Yeah. I'm having a tough time getting as riled up as some are because of the way that these games are determined. And I can see the appeal of a Kentucky versus Georgia game where Kentucky this week is taking on Florida. And if Kentucky wins, they're going to be a top 25 matchup against what is considered to be, at least right now, the number one team in the country. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Missouri beat Texas A&M in 2010 at 11 o'clock. That was a good game. Yeah. We mentioned Missouri beat Georgia at 11 o'clock in 2013. That was a good game. By the way, somebody did a deep dive into this recently, and they, they were looking into, like, who got the most 11 a.m. kickoffs. And I yeah. Think it's, it's is Georgia. it LSU? Georgia? It's Georgia by far. It's like 36. Next closest has 32. You know, yeah. somebody pointed out that Georgia's an East Coast team. And, like, Vanderbilt, Missouri, LSU, anything. It's going to be Central. I don't know. It's still it's still the same idea though. It's like whether concept, it's eleven yeah. or noon, it, it's it's a yeah. day game, right? It's yeah. It's day versus under the lights, and under the lights is always for a fan at least uh, the more appealing way to go about it. Yeah. yeah. Georgia's one, Florida two, South Carolina three, Mizzou four. Yeah. Um, LSU has the fewest with eleven in that stretch. Georgia, for context, has thirty nine. If this game was in LSU, by the way, I, w- I think they would have had it under the lights. Oh, I'm sure that whoever. Uh is in charge of that stuff would be in Greg Sankey's ear from LSU and saying, you put it at night. Um, but look, guys, I mean, when game day inevitably comes, you know, there's going to be a nice crowd and you just funnel your way out and go straight into You're talking about for that game? Yeah, for Mizzou LSU, right? Yeah. Philly ranked versus ranked. The Red River rivalry is it's that same week. Yeah, I don't care. We've seen that before. Who's Colorado play that week? Because I feel like they're just doesn't playing. matter. It's it's important. It's no matter what, it's important. Is that USC? Uh, Arizona State. USC's okay. this weekend, I think. Right? Ah, that's right. It is this weekend. Yeah. Well, Arizona State's not interesting. Even no, but Colorado is. And if Colorado loses by fifty this weekend, which is in play, uh, that might also not help their case there. Dang. Yeah, US, uh, any blue blood wants to beat the stuffing out of Colorado. Yeah. like It's been fun. It's been good for the sport. Like the Dan Lanning, Dan Lanning stuff that came out. It's entertaining. First of all, no issue whatsoever with anything that he said. That is no. exactly what I would hope that my football coach would say to my team if he was coaching at Missouri. Really? Um, clearly got him motivated. 
the stuff that he put out afterwards where he talked about how, hey, listen, did I go for two? Yeah, I've gone for two in every game so far this year. Did I go for it on fourth down? Yeah, I've been aggressive on fourth down this year. Did I want to beat the heck out of him? Yeah, we want to win every single game. And some of the stuff that was said we felt was disrespectful. And we wanted to show them with our play, not our words, that we are going to go ahead and back up what we have to say. Yeah. Hey, man, no issues with any of that. I liked Ryan Day cutting a promo for a wrestling match. <laughs> after the, the cane corpse of Lou Holtz. Yeah, after sure. he That's was uh, done with that game against Notre Dame. I hope we see Eli Drinkwitz coming out after the game saying, hey, why'd you have that onside kick? Well, I heard that I'm not aggressive and I wanted to show people that we are. Thanks Bullying for listening works, to the show, ladies Eli. and gentlemen. Thanks for um, listening. Bullying works. I, I want more of this. More of this from college football coaches. This is fun. This is good. We, we need more entertainment in sports. And this year, this college football season has been among the most entertaining that I can remember in a really long time. So far. Yeah. Both from the on-field and off-field entertainment standpoint. And it helps that your team is good. It does. But even if Mizzou wasn't good, like the Texas storyline has been so incredibly fun. Washington is amazing to watch. The Pac-12 doing this right before it implodes upon itself is like quite a storyline. Alabama and Georgia both being semi-down relative to expectations. Like it's just, it feels kind of like 07 where there's like 12 teams that could reasonably have a, a shot to win a title. Okay. That part, yes. When number two loses eight times, then let's talk about it. Sure. Let's yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's like, fair. For a wide open lane. Though. Give it time. Uh, yeah, we're only week five. So, um, I mean, yeah, with the wide open lanes, absolutely. Because there is no consensus, number one. You could tell me four or five teams. I go, sure, I, I believe it. Six different teams got an AP top 25 vote for number one this week. Look at that. That's incredible. I can't remember the last time that happened. I would do the research for you right now. Yeah, going to look. That's that's a that's a rhetorical question, BK. That's a rhetorical question. I don't need you to waste brain cells on that one. But let's close it out. I, I'm 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 scared and nervous and excited and uh, I don't know. What's your, what, what are your parting shots? Give us give us something to leave with. Missouri wins 34-20. It feels better than that score even sounds. And we are leaving Saturday feeling optimistic about what the team can do against LSU. Um, But then we remember when LSU takes care of business against Ole Miss that this is a really good LSU team. And it's going to take a lot to beat them. And we'll cross that bridge next week. For now, that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt Nagy Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rock M flagship at Rock M Nation and podcasting outlet at Rock M Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, And you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, We are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, And if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has a coverage of all other teams major league baseball uh, mls uh nfl whatever you want uh to listen and and read about it is a great great network full of really fantastic podcasts so look them up and subscribe uh to any and all of those podcasts 
Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.